Have you ever dreamed of being able to make more money, live a better life, and have the financial freedom that's rightfully yours? Well now is your chance. With an engaging perspective and tone, your host Ryan Dement will guide you through your journey to financial freedom one step at a time. Let's get to it. Here is your host Ryan Dement. It's Ryan Dement from Chasing Financial Freedom Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day today on the podcast. And I'm going to try not to butcher his last name is Joe Lalone, and he's an award-winning leadership blogger. He helps leaders understand how to use movies to improve their leadership skills and abilities. Joseph, welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me here. I'm really excited. You got the name almost right. You know, it's Lalone. There was a little Lalone. extra accent. But you know, that's okay. The last name's hard to say. But yeah, like you said, I use movies to teach leadership principles and to help leaders and business professionals interact with their teams better by speaking the language of their people. That's awesome. So before we get into what you're doing and who you're helping, a little bit of your background in who you are. Yeah, so I've been in the leadership world for goodness, 15 years doing the blog. But before that, I was, I am a youth leader with a youth group. It's changed over the years. Yeah, so I just help people become become their better selves so what got you into the youth leadership and being able to help others it was that natural progression of i was in the youth group the youth pastor there saw potential and he liked to promote with from within so he asked me to be on the leadership team i stepped up and it's been a thing for me ever since that's goodness it's 2023 so it's been 20 Two twenty-three years of helping with youth groups. That's awesome. That's got to be fulfilling for you. Oh, it is, and it's crazy because, you know, youth ministry can be so frustrating because of the fruit. I always like to tell people, those in youth ministry are like seed scatters. They plant, they water, and you may never see the fruit. There's because I've been in the ministry for so long. I've seen so many cool things happen. Walking down the street 10, 15 years after a student's out of youth ministry, that's when you start to see the fruit of the work. I had students come up to me and be like, man, you don't know what your work has done in my life, but you and the other people group have totally changed. So we were total screw-offs and jerks, you guys, when we were younger. So are these kids at risk? What brings them into this? Is, or is it church-based? What is it? So that's the fun thing about youth ministry. It goes between the two. The previous had a very large church population of youth students, but there was a time when we had, goodness, 120, 130 students, and probably 100 of those were, I'd say, more at risk, less church, maybe de church and they had no clue about the church, but there was one student that caught fire and started inviting everybody at her, her school. And like the youth group just blew up. We had everybody from Jock to drug addict, the kid next door that was a church student. And to be honest, that was my favorite time of youth ministry was when we had this huge mix and we were introducing church church kids to unchurched kids and unchurched kids to the church kids, seeing that 
everybody's really the same. There's just some of us with a hope. That's pretty powerful, especially in today's world and where we go with all that. And I'm not trying to go either side, but it's just our future is in younger generations and being able to help them find their way is critical. And it doesn't matter if you're religious or not or right or left. I don't care about that. It's just they need to have the skills to be set up for success. And it just seems like it's missing. Just it's my best way to describe it. It's missing. No, I agree. It's so sad. And I think we hear it with every generation that the older generations take a look at the younger generation and just go, what's going on with these kids? Yeah, I didn't do that when I was their age. And honestly, if we were to be truthful, did the stupid stuff that we're like reprimanding these kids for today. It's just, we forget because we don't look back. We don't remember what we have to. And now today, these kids have social media and, yeah. and digital technologies to keep reminding them of what they've done. Yeah. And it's, I'm old enough to know I got excited when we got dial up and AOL and hearing that dial up in the tone. Yeah. We're not, we weren't as connected and my parents would have to come get me off the streets when I'm out playing. You don't see that today because of the social media and so forth. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, it's just different, but we've, and we're going down a rabbit hole already, but do you think today's, and you're attached to this and it's just curiosity, have these kids or this next generation lost touch with other human beings and their communication as in being able to physically communicate? I think it really depends on the student and the youth ministry that I'm in currently. We have 25 to 40 student youth group and the students love to be connected with one another. It is together. One of the big things that we saw during COVID when we had no human connection because it was all online, yeah. digital, Zoom, Skype, Teams, they long for that in-person connection. They long for those relationships and, and able to provide a little bit of that during that season of isolation. And I would say technological change because a lot of stuff changed during that time. But yeah, I think this generation longs for it. And if they don't understand how to connect, we can step up and show them how to do it properly. Yeah. Very true. And do you think that's lacking where older generations aren't showing them how to do that? I think there's, there, there's definitely a gap in that. It's so hard to eat workers. It's always changing. There's people cycling out. There's very little longevity, I want to say, because I almost want to say it's not this current young older generation. It's just like that in between generation millennials, probably, I would say, where it's job hopping, career hopping, church hopping. Everybody's changing so quickly. I like to bring it up that the youth was with our youth group for 30 plus years. My wife's youth pastor was with their youth, or actually I think she's still with their youth group. So that's 30, 35 plus years. Moving, we moved to a new church. We've gone through 
or five youth pastors in the last seven years. Wow. It's just like, there's just just this constant change in that millennial Gen X generation where I think there's this disconnect or discontent to keep moving and keep changing rather than to just stay planted somewhere. Man, we could keep on going down this rabbit hole. I don't know if this is something you want to keep talking, but that's, I guess that could lead us and we'll come back to that is what got you into blogging? What, what started and tell the listeners a little bit about your blogging and what you talk about. All right. So that's a great story on my end. I was really discontent, unhappy of being in the retail world. I was working for Family Christian. I, I worked for Target, Circuit City. And oh, wow. And <laughs> Family Christian's gone. I'm like, is it me? Did I help destroy these companies? What? No, I was just a retail associate there. So it wasn't me, but I felt a lot of disconnect, dis, discontent at Circuit City. I saw some of the leadership. They were taking naps in the, uh, the warehouse storage bays. Nothing wrong with taking a nap as a leader, but do it the right way because we all need rest. But then I got into the blogging because I was at Family Christian on my lunch break. I wanted to learn and grow books because Family Christian had books all over the place and they had a great business selection of books. I picked up Dan Miller's 48 Days to the Work You Love. I don't know if you've heard of that, Ryan. I see you're shaking your head. Oh, yes. And that book completely transformed my life. It showed me that I had skills and and I was, and that there was just more potential in me. So I read the book, read it again, and began implementing some of the things and going, you know what? I've got at this point, probably 10, 10 years of leadership experience in the youth ministry was like sharing some of these insights and helping people to grow and make more leaders. And that evolved into movies. Is that correct? Yeah. And along that journey, thanks for bringing that up. So now I actually use movies once a week to promote the leadership lessons that are being taught in movies. And so along this journey, I actually cut out entertainment. I stopped listening to music, stopped watching TV shows, movies, because a lot of people were, a lot of leadership, personal development, movies, TV shows, music, that's all junk food for the mind. And so I was like, okay, I want to be successful. I want to do things right. So I cut it all out. Then I was like, this isn't making me happy. And then I'm like, wait, I heard that her chip and how stories stick and stats don't. And so I was like, wait, movies, they're just giant stories. There are modern day fables or parables. And if we watch them with the right mindset, we can learn and grow from them. And so then real leadership developed and I've really enjoyed this journey, this portion of the journey and helping people see the leadership lessons in movies and helping them also helping leaders also translate those movies into ways that they can talk and share with their people. I've got to ask the question, how long, and I, and this is generic because I, I struggle with this too. How long did it take for your reels and your, and what you're putting out to start sticking with people? Cause you're not talking about a sexy topic like 
TikTok or Instagram or anything like that, where people want to be chasing the Joneses for their bucks. You're talking about life-changing stuff that is deep. Was it a struggle at first to let people get eyeballs on it? It was a slow build. I think I hopped in at the right time is a lot of people are looking for the leadership in personal development materials. Uh-huh. 50, 15, at least 15 years since I've started blogging. And with the Dan Millers and Michael Hyatt's and Pat Flynn's all talking oh, yeah. about blogging and personal growth and personal development, it was that perfect storm. And I got into a good group of people interested in those topics, those people, and helping to share each other's content helped grow my blog. And then when I started doing the movie thing, that's when it really started to take off. And that's when I started pushing even harder for those. I was like, if these posts are bringing in five to 10 times more eyeballs than what a regular post is, this is what I should be looking to do. And it's changed the trajectory of the blog. So what were these movies like? Can you give some background of how they started and what they've transformed or morphed in today? No, the blog post changed, it, not the movies. Okay, sorry. But but the blog post changed, but are you adding video or is it just you're using the acronym of Reels and it's still blogging? No, it's still blogging. I'm just using... I, instead of real, like R-E-A-L, yeah. I'm calling the movie Leadership Lessons real, R-E-L, leadership. Yep. So it. it's, it's, hey, leadership from the movies. Got it. So do you use any type of video whatsoever with your blogs or is it just all words? I, copyright, I don't. Okay. I, share, I do share a trailer. And sometimes if the studios have shared a clip from the movie that relates to the leadership lesson or a leadership lesson that I'm sharing for that movie, I will pull that out. But I don't want to get hit with one of those fines from the movie associations. I've heard it's nasty. Probably not a good thing. Let's talk about one of the examples of what your, is there a recent blog or one that you want to talk about that we can, we go into detail about? So today's Monday, July 10th. And it's Monday. Mondays are the days I post these leadership lessons from movies. Okay. And I don't know if you've heard of the movie Air. Air, like from Disney Air? Nope. Air, the Michael Jordan. Oh, that's, shoe story. On, that's on Amazon. Okay. It's on Amazon yeah. Prime now. It was in the theaters. I had this one in my back pocket in case I didn't have a movie to post about or didn't get to the theater. This was one of those weekends where time got by me. So I use this and it was a movie talking about one of the Nike executives pursuit of Michael Jordan before he became famous. And as such, this movie is just full of lessons. One, one of the lessons I pulled out was that pivot. I don't know if you know this, but do you know what Nike was originally known for? Running shoes. Yes, running shoes. I've read Phil Knight's autobiography, so I had to go back and recollect it and remember him selling shoes out of the back of his car and he went to Japan and how he got the deal. I read parts of it. Yep, They were known for running shoes. The business was doing well, but it wasn't doing great. And they had, I can never, I'm scared to pronounce his last name because my last name's Sonny Vaccaro. 
was the person who pursued Michael Jordan. Okay. And, and he saw this potential and he was so frustrated. He was like, why am I only be get, why am I only given this limited, take a look at Converse or can't think of the other big name shoe company, but Puma. companies, what? Puma? No, Adidas. Adidas. Adidas okay. was the other big one in the mo- in the air. And they were pursuing all of these potential upcoming st- basketball stars. And Sonny's like, I've got, I think it was like 25,000. It was, it was a very small number, 250,000. And it had to be split between five players. Okay. And he's like, how do I entice anybody to sign? And he's like, all of these other companies that have transitioned to basketball. Let's do this. Let's make this pivot. It was a hard sell. And eventually Phil Knight got on board along with the other people at Nike and they pivoted from, they still do running shoes. I'm a runner. Oh yeah. They're big business now, basketball shoes. And so they made that pivot. They, they made, they've made more money off of basketball shoes than they ever dreamed of making money off of running shoes. So what are the lessons in here? One pivot. You win some and you lose some. So, Sonny was a gambler. He made some bad choices. He won big on bets on basketball games. He knew his stuff. He won one. One. Loses. Then he'd win again. So you win some, you lose some. You just got to learn how to accept those wins and losses. So how do we translate the wins and losses to leadership and maybe even life? Because yeah. we struggle as human beings with losses and failure. I think we just have to become comfortable with it because if you want your business to truly succeed, there's going to be times where you have to put yourself out on a limb. You've got to make this choice that's, that could fail. Yeah. The basketball thing could have failed for Nike, but it didn't. They, but if you lose, you take a look at your loss, you go, okay, what caused this loss? What things could we have done better? And what things can we do differently next time? It's all about examining the loss when you lose. And then the next time you go in with a better mindset of what you can do and what you should do. I can tell you from being a two-time failure at entrepreneurship, small business ownership, whatever, those losses back in the day were really tough to swallow. But if you ask me today, I would never give them up because I learned a lot about myself, but I learned a lot about how I need to change my perspective on life. And I joke about it, but part of my passion projects are these podcasts, but I also put out some short reels on videos and stuff like that talk about taking change head on or dealing with failure. And you'd be amazed. Um, I must be over the right target when people start basically bad mouthing me because I don't know anything about change or a failure. And I'm like, wow, man, you just clearly don't know my story. But anyhow, we struggle with it. And it's, I don't get why we struggle with failure because it's all part of that journey. How are you supposed to learn if everything is served up on a silver platter? But what are we taught in school? Yeah, you know, that's true. You're very, we're giving these grades telling us how well we did. And it, it, if we don't get an A or a B, you're yeah. not a good student. You need to prove you need to do better. And you learned from this. 
how did you grow from this lower grade? What, why, why do you choose that answer? Instead, it's you're stupid or you need to go and study more. No, sometimes we just need to examine how we made these choices, real or right answer, or the better answer was. I think it starts in our grade schools, sadly. We promote this mindset that failure is bad and that we have to always produce and always get better. But do you think school also is tied into, and this is just my thought process, because it translates into, I'm in real estate, so real estate development has a lot of regulations and you have to test for certain things. It's memorization. All we're doing is memorizing stuff. It's not truly learning the aspects of a topic. It's memorizing so you can pass a test. Yeah, and there's that too. I can, you can read a book, you can memorize it, but do you really know it? Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it, I think it's just an easy way to make, test these, are placed in front of us are just to make things easy for the person judging from the outside because they're not in it anymore. But when we get to, when we have challenges or setbacks, that's really where we define ourselves and how we can better ourselves. I guess the best way to look at it is, can you take that failure, challenge, whatever, find the learning aspects or the learning pieces of that, and then apply it to your life and move forward. And it seems like we don't do that because we immediately, unfortunately, go back and reflect on the failure and just keep on beating ourselves up. And you can't keep on beating yourself up with those failures because you're not going to change or you're not going to improve yourself. And that just leads to people being depressed and everything else in between. It's like, how do we get people to really embrace failure and challenges? That's where I'm at. And that's some of the messages I put out. And it's a struggle for me to put that message out because people think that it's crazy that I embrace failure. And it's like, how else am I going to learn? You think about it. When we were babies, how did we learn to walk? Yeah. We, we failed. We failed. Yeah. We failed and we failed again. Failed until we put that one foot in front of the other. And we don't yeah. do that as we get older. We don't cheer it on and go, see your mom and dad with how they're, yeah, good job, Ryan. Look at this step you took after falling like 10 times. Yeah. No, it's, oh, you didn't take that. You're a failure. No, you're not. You're just in the learning process. It's, I think we have to re remind ourselves and reframe, re reframe that failure in, into a way of going, no, it's just that learning step. It's that process that we grow and change and improve from. And if we can get that through our heads, if we can get rid of all that programming that we've had, that failure is bad, that even that challenge is bad. Imagine what would happen. I think our businesses would skyrocket, would take more risk, would take more challenge, and would see organizations change, would see profits increase. We'd see employ employees more happy. It's all because it can all change if we're willing to say, hey, let's take this risk. And if you, if you fail, we take a look at it and go, why? No, let's see if we can fix it. What do we need to do to make this right? Just like when we were learning to walk. Amen to all that, because that's truly what we actually need. So the, your blogging is... Are you in coaching too, or are you just blogging? Yep, I do coaching. Okay. 
uh, for three co- three coaching packages, one based for church leaders, one based for business leaders. What's the third one? Let me. I should have had this up. It's all right. It's all right. I, I just, I just go with the flow. Right? Yeah, that's, I go with the flow. So for the people that you're coaching in the leadership space, whether it be church, business, whatever, what are some common themes that you see in maybe the top two or the top three of themes that you see and then how you can help those leaders solve them? Yeah. One of the challenges is communication with their employees. Okay. If you've ever been in a executive meeting, you know how executives speak. They talked about KPIs and this and that and like all these words that the average employee has, and then they go, hey guys, we have this KPI that we want you to hit. They're just staring at them, want it? And rather than speaking in terms that they can understand and relate to, so I help leaders movies and go, hey, here's the scene in this movie. Here's what's happened. This is what I'm talking about. Now let's go do this. Or do you understand what a KPI is now? And things start to, the other thing is just, oh, what, what is it? Pull that up. So when I know communication is a problem because my prior life, I ran call centers, collection agencies, any financial instrument I touch, but when you have so many people in a center, it becomes a problem and communication gets, I call it chopped off because you get it from the original person, then it goes all the way down multiple levels. But if you're not using the right language, how are your frontline employees going to be able to react or be able to work more effectively towards it if you're not actually explaining it properly? And that's business 101. Yeah. The longer people are in leadership positions, they forget that because the people that they're talking to speak their language but they don't speak the language of the people that they're leading. Yeah. And you do get removed. My my prior life and being in that, I was running two, 3,000 people overseeing them. And all my job was to run was meeting to meeting is I'm a people person. I want to lead people and, and really didn't get to do that. So I know that problem. I lived it. And you just have to be in touch with your employees and understand exactly what you're trying to accomplish and convey those messages or those goals to them in a, basically in words that they understand, but you also have to reinforce it and have those contact points with them. Otherwise it's failure right from the get-go. It's so hard, but it's something that we've got to get right as leaders. We've got to learn how to speak, learn how to be fluent in multiple languages. It's world that, hey, if you can speak more than English, you're, you have a better chance of success, especially if you're doing business international. If you can speak the language of multiple different generations or even socioeconomic people groups, you're going to go and build relationships with these people that wouldn't be possible if they can't understand you and you can't understand them. And that's got to be tough because as you get more generations out there, being able to relate to them and understand exactly how they communicate and what works best for them. That's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. It is, but leadership is a lot of work. It is. Leaders do the hard things. And that's just one of the things that we've got to work on and learn how to improve upon. 
So do you truly take the movies and then sit down with these coaching clients and then go through the actual learning and the leadership points that you can pull out of them? And that's how you're coaching or working with your clients? Yeah, that's some of it. I do that a lot in front of groups I've done. So I'm a big comic nerd too, but movies and comics go hand in hand. And so I've done presentation of Comic-Con crowds where I've walked through four or five different scenes and movies and was like, I've actually shown us clip and gone, hey, can any of you guys tell me what you just saw here and like how you can become a better leader through it? And a lot of times you'll just get those blank stares and go on, I don't see anything. And then I'll replay the clip, walk them through even a 30 second to two minute clip can have multiple leadership principles in it. And then I'll be like, I'll tell them, look at the point here. Do you see what happened? And they're like, oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So there's a scene in Wonder Woman where she's getting, they're on the front lines in the war. All of the soldiers are scared to death. And then there's, I haven't watched it in a while. There was somebody that was hurt. It was a child or an older, like a grandma. And everybody's walking past her. They're not caring. Wonder Woman walks by her. Sees that she's hurting. Takes the time to see what she needs. Helps her. And then goes back out to the front lines. And it's, oh, that's right. We can't just walk past the wounded in our organizations. The, these people... And their blood, sweat, and tears for us. What are we doing to help them other than just a paycheck? That deeper connection and being able to <clears throat> convey that. That's the human touch. But do you, and we're getting close here, and I'm going to run this back through and get us tie this up in a nice little bow. Do you think technology also has some of the, has created some of these challenges in leadership? Honestly, I think technology can create that stronger bond with people. Growing up, I really wasn't, I don't, I didn't like school. I didn't being around people. But like when I found technology, you mentioned AOL and the dial of connection. You ever AOL instant messenger? Oh yeah. That was, that was the... my I connected with so many people on there. And like, that was living my best life at that point. Cause I found this community of people that were like me. Or even recently, probably eight, 10 years ago, John Acuff launched the START experiment and a couple of other experiments. He's an author, does these really cool things. And I connected with this. There, there were thousands of people that joined his experiment. But that then transitioned into a real-life experience where now, every Saturday, I get together with three other guys that were connected because of tech. So if we're aware of how to use technology and how to connect in person, I should say these, I meet with these guys in person. Now it started off all online transition to in-person relationships. Hmm. So technology can be that to connect and grow and build those relationships that people are like, you can't do that with technology. I say, yes, you can. You can. But that's where, and we'll run this through and get it going. But 
that's where we struggle as human beings. We use technology, we get lazy, but you've taken it to another step and created a community or a tribe, whatever you want to call it. But you've taken a step further and said, okay, now we're going to come to the real world. And you're in, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a very rare person to be out there because most people just want to stay on the other side of their phone and that's where they want to be. That's how they use technology. It's instant gratification. It's not work. Yeah, there's that, but I think it's just because a lot of people haven't been taught how to do it, how to make that transition. You're right. I you, agree. You know, and through my blogging career, I've also had people reach out to me. They connected with me through my blog. They're like, hey, you're in the same area I am. And they've reached out to me and we've become friends in person. So it's, I think people are scared of being rejected, if that makes sense. They're scared of, hey, if I reach out to somebody, especially in person, how, what happens if they say no? But the truth is we're all relational. We all want people to interact with us to hang out with and i think the more yeah. that we t we take those small steps and it are okay with that failure of people saying no we can grow from that technology side that hey i'm hiding behind the screen to being hey i'm in front of you face to face but even then take a look at us now we're doing this through technologies through re restream yep but it's a connection it's a way I've gotten to know you a little bit better. You've gotten to know me a little bit better. You're away from me. Yeah. And I think even through technology, if they don't meet in person, people don't meet in person, there's still those connections that get formed and those relationships that can be built upon as long as we're intentional. Exactly. I like that. And that's a great way to wrap this up. Intentional. That's the best place to be is got to be intentional about it and we struggle with that and we could go down a whole nother conversation with that. But we're wrapping it up here. We're coming to the end of this podcast, guys. Where is the best place everyone can get a hold of you? My blog, it's jmlonde.com. I'm there three days a week sharing new content with you guys. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm always willing to connect with you, make new friends. And yeah, send me an email and that's joe at jmlalone.com. I'll reply to you. Send me an email, test it out. And I've laid the Bob gun off of email. He said he puts his phone number in his book. I put my email out there everywhere. <laughs> I will link to your website in the podcast show notes. So we'll definitely have that. And then is that would be your website, the best place for coaching clients to come reach you also? Yep. There, there's a link on my website on, the, on all the pages for my coaching. You can click on that and contact me through there. Awesome. Sir, thank you very much for coming on. It's been an honor. It's been a great conversation and uh, very insightful what you're doing, but how you're doing it. It's very unique. And I think that could help a lot of people out there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be on your show, to be sharing with your audience. It's a pleasure. And I just thank you awesome. for allowing me the time. Thank you, sir.